Uh, welcome everybody to episode uh, 13 of Ultra Pro Max, the podcast where we talk about app development and the Apple ecosystem. My name is Luke. Uh, as always, I'm here with Sadia and Joshua. I'm seeing here in the topics, the very first thing is uh, they're roasting me again for not having intro music. One of these days, I will sit down and I will write some intro music. Until then, Joshua is going to make some loops on GarageBand or something because this is about the Apple ecosystem. Should, should we should we hire a musician to do it for us? Hire a musician. I'm a musician. <laughs> Ooh, hold on. Should we hire you to do it for us? Ooh, extra money. No, no I, I'd be paying myself. <laughs> you'll you'll get paid out of the revenue that we make from this ep- podcast. So it'd be perfect. Oh, that's kind of fun. Move some money around. We will discuss this. If you'd like to sponsor Ultra Pro Max, then feel free to email at. <laughs> yeah, send us at, an email. What What did we decide the email was last week? We it was going to be. Uh, Obviously, that's important. So email at ultrapromax.fm is good enough. Uh, we are accepting sponsors. We're not expecting it this early in our history, but if you want to sponsor us, let us know. No, I, I don't want to get it wrong and accidentally say something that like, I don't want to say. Uh, we're we're going to have a new, a new email address every episode. Sponsors at ultrapromax.fm. I think we should make that one. Yeah, yeah, we should. We should probably small programming note as well we're going into the holidays um we're very excited here at ultra pro max especially joshua he's going to take some time to uh unplug i've got it boys you got wait i've got it what's i got it it's it's all grip no slip at ultra pro max that's what fm all grip no slip at ultra pro max fm that's an inside joke you have to listen to the podcast from last week i do you guys remember why what was that a reference it was about the cat grip tongue grip tape stuff that i put on the bottom of my laptop and i love and you can listen to the last three minutes of last week's episode if you want to hear us talk about that yes uh, another yeah about that programming note joshua is going to be taking the next couple weeks off to totally unplug with his family which is very admirable but also kind of lame in terms of podcast recording standards so we may take you may not see us until january 9 uh but also sadia and i might get together and and do our own recording it won't feel the same without joshua might even be better you never know the quality will improve. <laughs> the same, not the same, does not mean worse. What you could do is just find another person and see if anyone notices. Like, just get another third host and don't say anything and go with it. Maybe we can find another Josh. Did you guys hear about the Josh battle? Joshua, did you almost go to the Josh battle? Think I heard about it. Wasn't it more like a just a get together? I don't remember if it was a battle. No, it was a noodle battle. They they said that like somebody posted online that all the Joshes were going to show up in Lincoln, Nebraska, and they were going to duke it out to find out who the superior Josh was. And it was just a joke. But then they did it, and they just brought noodles, and they fought each other. I used to take pool noodles, put bamboos, sticks inside of them, and and go sword fighting. Like It was this whole fantasy sword fighting in a field with a bunch of guys and looking completely ridiculous. Uh, we would have weapons. I actually made a chainmail t-shirt, or partially made with a friend. And we go around hitting each other with pool noodles. So I think I would have won that one. Josh, was this last year beyond? It was at least two years ago. <laughs> well, excellent. We will, we will miss you, Joshua. Um, Sadia, you are trying to get your in-app purchases to work via Revenue Cart. Revenue Cat. Cats. Have you heard of this Revenue Cat? I'm very familiar with it from a lot of the uh, app uh, companies I've worked with over the last two or three years. Okay, tell me about it. I didn't mean it that way. I wasn't trying to insult Luke. <laughs> I feel like when you start learning to code and you decide, all right, I'm going to pick up Swift and you do a course and you learn how to code Swift, that is only the very first step. You can be an expert in Swift 
but that pales. The expertise involved in learning Swift pales in comparison to the expertise you need to develop in order to actually navigate the Apple developer portal. They need to make courses on this stuff, man. They need to, I need to watch a YouTube video that, that talks me through each of the different sections and how to navigate around it. And there's the app section and there's the agreement section, there's the user section. Anyway, I spent this past week, three days on a a bug, trying to add subscriptions to my, to my beer app, Amber Hour. And so I'm in there, I'm using Revenue Cat uh, to do all of the in-app subscription stuff. I've got the library in. It's all working. It's looking good. I'm not getting any uh, exceptions. But for some reason, when I try to get a list of offerings, I'm awaiting an async call and nothing's coming back. Eventually, I try like wrapping it in a try-catch loop and I get an exception, but it's a super generic exception. doesn't give me any detail. And I am banging my head against the wall for three days trying to figure out why it's telling me that my products are misconfigured. Can you guess why it was? I'm guessing the lead is Revenue Cat. It's nothing to do with Revenue Cat. No, this is all Apple. So Revenue Cat is talking to Apple. Nothing wrong with my code. The IDs of the products in Revenue Cat and in the Apple developer portal all lined up. Everything was perfect. And then I accidentally clicked on the agreements section and I noticed my paid Uh, app agreement was missing a particular tax document and that's why i was getting this error for three days and it wouldn't tell you that that's why it was that seems so simple to just say you're missing a tax document yeah yeah no nowhere nowhere or at least when you kick you back somewhere and say hold on heads up there's some app i use where it'll kick me back to the itunes agreement and say hey you can't do anything until you re-sign this itunes agreement that (laughs) oh i'm sorry that's horrible I I just want to express my frustration with the whole Apple developer portal thing. They make you jump through a lot of hoops, and I know a lot of it is about privacy, and there's a lot to do with security, and there's all of this tech stuff in all of these different countries that Apple has to uh, figure out. And it's not an easy problem to solve, but when it comes to Apple products, the developer portal is just terrible. Really, the worst Apple product I've ever used. No, that's so interesting because they Apple's biggest market is consumers, of course. Uh, but I've always wondered. Like, it seems like they really cater to their developers as well. They've got those, you know, those developer conferences, etc. But yeah, man, clearly just not a lot of care has been put into that developer-facing product. When you think about companies like this, Microsoft developers are pretty highly ranked. And you see that. You see across the ecosystem how well they treat developers. They own GitHub now, right? They have built up a whole language of if you have a tool, we will support it for 40 years. Like, you're good to go. The user experience is horrendous (laughs) because that's not as highly ranked in the company. With Apple, the consumer experience is more highly ranked than developer experience, and that will always be the case. So that priority is readily, I think Marco Arment talked about this on ATP a while back, that is, if you're aware of their ranking of priorities, the developers versus the users, you'll realize, yes, they care, but they're never going to care as much as they'll, they care about the user experience, which means developer tools, <laughs> what's a nice, gracious way to say this, make it work, right? <laughs> like they're not, they're not going to worry about it as much as we worry about it. Uh, Joshua, you've been... Looks like you've been talking to a junior designer uh, who doesn't know know what you know. Tell us more about that. 
Oh, I, I wrote that in so quickly because I want to talk about it today. I did not mean it that way. <laughs> what I meant to say is, <laughs> okay. I don't know what I know. As you learn something and you've been doing it for a while, you forget all the pieces that it took to get there. And so you actually become an ineffectual teacher if you've been doing something for too long versus if you just learned something, you're the best teacher, I think, to teach it to someone else. A junior designer, um, someone I've been talking to, she's getting into the industry. She's recently graduated. She's been trying to find a job and looking for different things. And so we've been chatting a little bit. And so we had a fantastic call yesterday. She's been doing some fantastic freelance work and she's trying to close another uh, gig. And so I just talked through some things about how I typically do it. And several times in the conversation, she's like, that was really helpful. I don't see this on LinkedIn. I don't see this on any of the medium posts I read about this particular way of handling a design project um, or selling it. This is something that I think each of us start to miss is when you've been in something long enough, you know more than you think you do, which means you have value that you can bring. I might think, ah, I don't know enough that maybe I could teach about this or coach about this or create a course. There's lots of other things. But actually, I've been doing it for a couple of years. If I were to actually just help people, I would realize like there's lots of cool things I've learned that are so fun to share. So this is a completely unrelated topic, but I wanted to just bring it up because um, it is really fun to see energetic, excited people learning stuff that I've learned in the past and also learning new things I have known nothing about. And just, it was really energizing to me to have a fantastic chat with this younger person who is not yet maybe destroyed by... <laughs> Who who is maybe not uh, bright eyed and full of possibilities, and so it was really like me. This is how this is how you describe me, Joshua. <laughs> I was like talking to Luke, but so that was just actually a fantastic conversation. I came away incredibly energized, and I feel like I got maybe more out of the conversation than this other person. So that was that was a really fun chat. I think we need to un unpack some of Joshua's trauma. Uh, everybody is bright eyed and bushy tailed. Maybe she's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because she's a designer who never had to learn Photoshop. I started on Macromedia Flash Four, and that 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 doesn't that doesn't sound correct, right? Like I was designing websites in Macromedia Flash Four. This means Adobe didn't own it. It means it was made for animating scenes, and I was hacking it to design websites. That's how. So then I transitioned to Illustrator. Then I transitioned. I never actually went to the Photoshop route. I refused. I pushed back against everyone I knew at the time, and I was designing websites in Illustrator until about six years ago. Uh, Joshua, I want to say that's uh, that's super cool, kind of unpacking what you know and realizing what you do know. I'm involved, you know, we've already made jokes about me being a musician, but I'm also pretty involved in like worship leading and worship uh, uh, at churches and stuff. Uh, I got asked to go give a presentation on worship to a bunch of high schoolers, and so I had to write down like everything that I knew about worship and try to like find a way to succinctly write it out. And it was really fun because it's something that I've been doing for years and years and years, uh, but had never like taken the time to write down and figure out how to teach to somebody. And like, I wrote a whole notion page that must've been an equivalent of, I don't know, maybe like 15 to 20 pages in a book. Like it was a lot, a lot of content. So I, I don't know, I would just encourage people to sit down and it's something that you're really proficient at sit down and write it all out like you were gonna like you would teach it to somebody and it's you you make connections and i made connections that i didn't didn't realize before like oh this is really important because of this and i hadn't really thought about it that before but sitting down to write it all out was really cool and a really fun experience uh anyways uh moving on to the next thing in the show notes joshua actually we're, we just talked about you know your designing stuff here it says adobe and not i gave you the perfect segue and you threw it away 
I know, but I, I threw it away. I just, there was <laughs> something else I way. wanted to say, and I said, ah, oh, man, I didn't get to say what I wanted to say. Dang it. It's not all about you. Just do the segue, Luke. Uh, Adobe. <laughs> Joshua, you were yeah, talking about your dev tools. The next thing here in the notes is, uh, tell us about Adobe, not Figma. You don't use Figma? Uh, all right. Um, I do use Figma, and it's become pretty much the biggest tool that designers on apps and websites use today, unless they're going straight into something like Webflow or Code. Which is the better way of doing it. I'll just add. I'll just throw, I'll throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, Sadi and I have talked about that a bit. I think that... All right, so a year ago, Adobe announced they were going to buy Figma for $20 billion. $20 billion? Billion. With a B. Which wow. signals how big of a deal Figma has become for design. This follows a long history of Adobe. Anything in the creative visual field, Adobe has been sucking up and buying up stuff and creating stuff for a long time now. And uh, Sketch is one of the lone standouts. Uh, there's Affinity with some tiny little apps that are absolutely delightful, but so tiny. Nobody uses them. Figma, I... I, I love it. I love the Affinity product. I, I guess, uh, let me... Yeah, well, me too. Everyone I speak to loves them. I have not yet acro run across one, any other person in any work projects I've been involved with that have used them. So it, I'm glad to hear too that you guys do. That's actually, that's news to me. I feel like it's people that don't design and we just need to hack something really quick for whatever we're doing. Then it's like, ah, easy. Exactly. So the Affinity tools, they have Affinity Designer. Uh, I'm blanking on the rest. Affinity Photo. Photos uh, and Publish. And they are fantastic tools. And it's like 100 bucks to buy all three, maybe 200 but sometimes they're on sales. They are fantastic tools. What happens, though, is the ecosystem. If I'm designing, naturally other designers or project managers need to be able to see the tools. And most of them already have Adobe or now Figma. Adobe is going to buy Figma, and they ran into a bunch of regulation hurdles where various governments are pushing back on them making an acquisition of this size. So they announced today, nope, no deal. We're not going to buy uh, Figma. As a designer, I've actually heard, been in a few slacks where I'm seeing designers like celebrate this. Many of us were incredibly nervous about what this would mean. It would mean one more really important tool in our workflow was going to get sucked up into the Adobe behemoth. Um, so I'm actually kind of happy Figma staying independent. I think it's a great tool. I totally agree. I think this is the system working. Well done, UK, EU, and not the US. Bad, bad US. I am really happy about this, actually. I think Figma is a great company. I don't like using their design tools. I'm not a designer, though. I really like FigJam, and they do some incredible stuff there. Like, they do some really fun, interesting... Like, they've got this turntable to put music on. They've got the little, like... Uh, you know, I'm all about those little surprise and delight moments where, say in Figma, if you just start waving your cursor around wild, wildly, it turns into a little uh, hand that can wave and things like this. So, like, they're all about these little cute little touches. And I just can't imagine that... I'm sure Adobe wouldn't get rid of those features, but I can't imagine that spirit of... Adobe's creative cloud sucks all joy and emotional design out of your heart when you install those apps. It You just feel like you're putting spam on your computer, that it is so slow. Um, I never like to open Creative Cloud in any form on a Mac. It is just a horrible experience. Illustrator itself, to the, I will use it probably as long as I'm a designer because the Illustrator app is fantastic. But the rest of the Adobe suite, I, I get so frustrated when they're all lobbed into this massive software that is horrendous to open up and they, they all have to run through and update through that. 
if you can switch to affinity designer then you're you're this is a topic for another time but there's a there's one legacy holdout for why i can't switch which is illustrator has the best bezier curve uh, tool uh, no no best pen tool that i've found to date so when i'm creating icons and when i'm creating illustrations the pen tool is just so fantastic and i've never is seen it is it really that much better than designer like it's a pretty standard feature you know it it maybe it's because i've been using it for 15 years now so all the shortcuts are memorized in my head so i know how to instantly replicate something with the pen tool and finish out bezier curves but it's a little different in uh affinity designer and i've tried a half a dozen times to get my brain to reprocess but i haven't been able to maybe another half dozen will do the trick i'm just i fine you use adobe products if you have to i haven't installed anything adobe on my computer in many many years and i wouldn't i'm so uh, happy for you <laughs> i wouldn't if you paid me uh, it's it th- those are horrible horrible things to have running on your machine and i see the death of this deal as actually kind of the death of adobe i think this is the beginning of the end for them nobody likes to use their software nobody wants to use their software and people are actively trying not to so as more products come to market that are able to do be- a better job of what Adobe does, and like Figma, you know, which is now the I'd say the most popular design tool in the world, and as new designers are learning a Figma-based workflow that doesn't involve Adobe at all, I, I think that there's no way Adobe can sort of rebound from this. I feel like Figma was their last hope at staying relevant. I think that is a hot take and probably a lot of designers will agree with you. So maybe we can uh, get that argument out on social media that Sadia says Adobe will die. RIP in peace. You heard it here first. Prediction. Um, speaking of things dying, Apple to halt Apple Watch Series 9? Th- this is fantastic news. Uh, more, it's just, it's, it's so <laughs> spicy. Like I was so excited when I saw this come across 9to5Mac, uh, I think first reported on it this morning, that there's been a... Not a patent troll company. <laughs> There's been a company that is pushing Apple on some patents uh, to get a buyout from Apple on a specific patent related, I think, to the oxygen sensor on the Series 9 and the Ultra 2. And so uh, they're basically looking for a payout from Apple. Apple called their bluff today and said, as of January 1st, they will no longer sell the Series 9 in the U.S. or the Ultra 2. Whoa. But everywhere else, they will still sell them? Uh, I, I believe so, because the Biden administration, and I'm like, these are details from a week or two ago that I, I wasn't following the case closely until this morning. I believe uh, th- there was like an executive order or something that was pressuring Apple that they should uh, do this. So Apple's like, you know what? Let the people know these watches will no longer be available January 1st. So my first thing is I texted my brother, dude, if you want to get your Ultra 2, you need to buy it right now. <laughs> you think the resale market will explode? On these I think they're going to sell out instantly. Everyone who has been on the fence is just going to buy them right away. Oh, that's, There's no way they would keep the Series 9 and the Ultra 2 unavailable for a whole year cycle, right? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. It'll be a week, Matt. I, I, think, I think this is going to be old news very, very quick. We don't normally like to put news in, but I was so excited to see this one this morning that I had to share it. <laughs> I guess the thing we can lead into that's not so news-related, the feature that I'm so excited to see if Apple can solve and this has been rumored for a decade, uh, could we get glucose monitoring on an Apple Watch? If we can, that would just be, I think, 
I don't want to overstate this. Like that would be life changing for millions and millions of people. For myself, that would be life changing. I don't have diabetes. I'm I'm very healthy, but I eat too much sugar. It would be fantastic to be able to, be able to monitor that. Um, so this comes down to the sensors and Apple Watch devices, and they're trying to push forward on more sensors. So I say good for them. I, I hope they're able to. Now, isn't glucose monitoring? Isn't that like the thing that you stick on your arm? That like doesn't that inject like something into you? Uh, yes, but there, there's not currently a non-invasive method of doing it. And you also generally in the U.S. need a doctor's prescription. You need to go see a physician versus what if you could just buy an Apple Watch and it does a simple version of that, not not for diabetics, but for uh, someone who's just trying to be more careful about their sugar intake. Like that would be fantastic. You eat a donut and it tells you 20 minutes later that you ate too much, that was too much sugar. Like that'd be pretty handy. It's not ever going to do that though, is it? It's It's going to be very careful not to give you any sort of medical analysis. It's just going to say, noticing a spike or something like that. Yes, they will have to be incredibly careful with how they do that. That is correct. Does that technology exist where you can monitor it without, you know, invading your... No, that's that's the thing. It's it's all rumored that Apple is inventing this technology in the background and, uh, you know, that it's going to be ready to release. But I don't think, I think this is years away still. It, it'll happen. It'll happen, but it's still years away. And it, it will probably be like the temperature monitor monitoring feature that came out, right? Where you can monitor temperature specifically for one purpose, which is to track women's uh, menstrual cycles, right? Where you can have something that is genuinely a useful, valuable feature, but it's not it's not for medical purposes specifically, right? It's, it, or rather it's not for critical, you know, mo- in, that's like, we're three men talking about this, but it's not for something like glucose monitoring, where if you get it wrong, um, someone's life or death is on the line right then. Yeah, and the software standards for any kind of like medical software are just through the roof, and there's no way that Apple's going to be able to conform to those safely in an Apple Watch for quite a while. And I don't even know if it's worth it for them to do that. Well, we're almost we're almost out of time today. Um, we are going into the holidays. Sadia, Joshua, do you guys have any uh, any cool holiday plans this coming up? I'll answer for myself first. Um, just gonna take a week off and do, with two long weekends and try and do nothing. Just try to hang out with my family. Plug. Beautiful. Sadia? It's been so hot here. We've, we've been going through a heat wave. It's like right now, 92% humidity and like, mind you, it's not even 8 a.m. yet, and we're in the high 20s. It's, it's been just mental where I live, so I'm going to be spending time in the pool. We just finished Hanukkah. You know, we always do some special things around then. We did Hanukkah Olympics with the kids, which is like every day we do a special, special activity, which, which they love. Aside from that, oh, I'm going camping. I'm going camping with my daughter, just the two of us, for a week in, in early January. Yeah. That's so fun. I forget it's summer down there. Go crazy. They do winter wrong down there. They do. Oh, man, we do summer wrong, too. It's too hot. (laughs) Well, I'm just going to be putzing around, still working working hard through break. I got a couple contracts that I'm going to have to crank on. So I'll probably take the the, the day off, Christmas Day, and... I thought we were going to record on the Christmas day. Aren't we going to do a podcast? <laughs> You're right. Not not taking the day off. <laughs> Podcasting is a break. Honestly, this is right now. This is a break. Talking for my to day, friends, right? Just talking to friends. Just hanging out. Anyways, well, we you know no promises on that. We still need to decide if we're actually going to do that. Uh, we, we, I don't mind if you're rocking around the Christmas tree or whatever it is that you do. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you don't. Yes, Hanukkah is a little different than Christmas uh, timing wise. We'll discuss. We'll decide. 
thank you all so much for joining us for this podcast. Uh, again, please uh, send us your uh, feedback and suggestions for topics to email at ultrapromax.fm or uh, all grip, no slip at ultrapromax.fm. Or sponsors. Or sponsors at ultrapromax.fm. Our domains are fluid here at ultrapromax. So anyways, we'd love to hear from you, though. Uh, so shoot us an email to any of those three, and uh, we will read your response out loud here on the podcast. Happy so, holidays, everyone. Yeah, happy holidays. Good to see you. Good to see you guys.